everyone. Welcome to another episode of Where Credits Do. I'm your host, Yulia Chutina, senior reporter at Tearsheet. It's tough to raise capital these days. VC wallets are tightening as many investors are opting for a wait-and-see approach. This makes it harder to land a deal and get more cash through the door. For entrepreneurs in need of financing for their companies, equity capital is still the most popular approach, but harder to come by in an inflationary environment. However, dilution by selling ownership shares in your company for a part of future cash flows is not the only way to get capital. There's also debt, which comes in the form of bond issues or loans, a means of financing operations without dilution, as long as, again, you have the cash flow to pay back the loan. But today we're talking about another way of accessing capital. It's called recurring revenue financing. So if there's cash flow coming in, This recurring revenue is made into a tradable asset that can be sold to investors. It's a dilution-free and debt-free form of financing, which I'm exploring in more detail with my guest today, Michal Cieplinski, Chief Business Officer of Pipe, and Farhan Lausch, Investor at Anthemis. So thank you both for joining me today on Where Credit's Due. Uh, We're talking about revenue-based financing, And this is kind of a new kid on the block. And I feel like not many folks are quite well versed uh, about it. And it's kind of an interesting proposition, especially given the current market environment. Right now, a lot of post-stage companies are finding it harder to access venture capital. We have many investors that are more careful where they about where they deploy their cash. So if last year it was all about growth, this year seems to be all about profitability, which makes it a little bit tougher to land a deal. Although fintech still seems to remain one of the most preferred sectors to invest in. So Farhan, I'd like to start with you. Given the current state of play, what capital raising options are more preferred by fintech founders and how is the current Dow market affecting this? Thanks for having me. And uh interesting kind of question regarding uh, how founders think about their capital stack. Uh, And as investors, we really want our founders, and I think we're aligned on this, our founders to have a multitude of um, capital perspectives. And what I mean by that is equity finance is great, but it's not for everyone. And it shouldn't be the only thing that a founder has in their arsenal of how to capitalize their business. Uh, whether it's debt funding, whether it's equity funding, whether it's revenue-based funding, uh, really founders should think about the whole package and think about how they select the right partner and the right amounts of capital for their operational and capital requirements. Um, you know, kind of working capital through equity uh, versus through debt versus through revenue-based financing, they can all be collaborative and they should kind of work together for the founders. And I think entrepreneurs, investors, uh, other stakeholders in terms of employees and prospective investors down the line want to see founders who have that kind of um, almost holistic view of how to raise capital of different sources that will have different impacts on um, the cap table of any given startup at any given point in time. Mm, Right. So it's really about not putting all your eggs in one basket here. Uh, Michal, what's your take on this? (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's why Farhan and Anthemis invested in Pipe because they, they are a, a major European um, uh, VC. 
and invested in Python on, the, on this exactly premise. Um, you have to understand your capital stack and how to obtain capital. Equity typically provides your expansion uh, amounts, but once you have product market fit and rinse and repeat uh, recurring revenue, so revenue-based, you know, that's hence the revenue-based financing comes from. If you have that revenue, why are you using equity to fund that? You should use working capital solutions. And that's where Pipe comes from. So Pipe is a solution for uh, companies with recurring or reoccurring uh, revenue streams. We started in uh, February 2020, so actually February 24th. Um, and you, we all know what happened the week after this little thing called COVID started. But for us, it was the, the biggest push into the market that any company could 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 imagine because the whole entire world moved into um, a SaaS and we started with SaaS B2B, but now two and a half years later and hundreds of millions of dollars traded on the platform, um, over 50% of our volume is other types of recurring revenues. We have uh, massive direct-to-consumer platforms. We have uh, property management fees, hedge fund management fees, VC management fees, entertainment, where your streaming studios are trading their uh, payments to independent uh, producers on the platform. It's all based on a premise that a certain revenue stream is recurring. That's really amazing. It's so interesting how it can apply to all kinds of different industries. But could you explain to our listeners, Michal, the inner workings of how recurring revenue financing works? There are there are many uh, types of providers of such solution. Pipe is is very very unique in it. So let me maybe start with Pipe. Um, we are a trading platform not dissimilar to NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange. That's why media dubbed us or coined us as NASDAQ for recurring revenues. Um, we have a sell side. These are the companies with recurring revenues. And that can be companies as small as 100K ARR, annual recurring revenue, and as big as hundreds of millions of dollars in annual recurring revenue. And on the buy side, we have uh, banks, credit funds, uh, family offices, um, that hedge funds that are purchasing it as a fixed income asset. We rate when the sell-side asset comes on the platform, we rate them um, and provide that ratings to the buy side and buy side purchases in the baskets of the companies. They typically hold 50 to 100 names in their basket. And as a result, their exposure is spread, which also means they can bid exposure means risk. Risk means pricing. The moment my exposure lowers, I can bid prices and actually compete with banks and other sources of capital. We on a daily basis compete with other investment banks and much larger institutions and win the deals because our buy side considers a certain, if they are exposed into several hundred names, their risk is very low of losing the principal. As a result, they can bid prices uh, that are unimaginable um, if you go straight to your local bank or even investment bank. So then what is the difference between revenue-based lending and recurring revenue financing? So you mentioned that Pipe works as a trading platform, but for 
um, is for the startup that's looking to put their revenue up uh, on your platform, how does how how does the mechanism differ? A way of obtaining financing with with other companies, uh, which is called which they use lending methods, which in principle it's capital for um, uh, for uh, startups, but it really really differs. Um, Pipe is the only company that is a trading platform. The remainder of the companies providing financing to platforms uh, obtain it via warehouse lines, which is they go to a big bank and uh, ask for a large warehouse line to provide financing uh, for the companies on uh, that they originate. That means that you have an inherent cost of capital. That is that cost of capital. That is your warehouse line. W warehouse lines is a fancy name for the listeners for effectively speaking a credit line from the bank. That's ring fence for you and you can use it. Um, if you obtain that warehouse line, your minimum cost of capital can be, I don't know, 14, 15%. That means to the best customers, without any profit, you have to provide a minimum 14, 15% uh, financing cost in that example. At Pipe, we don't have a minimum cost of capital. Our cost of capital is whatever banks, insurance companies, uh, Japanese investors deem as uh, uh, their uh, expected yield. We have, um, we have for the listeners uh, uh, on the podcast, we have uh, uh, trades uh, being done at software plus 175 basis points. That means somewhere around 200, 250 basis points. That would be, which is 200, 2.5% for, for, to, to understand up to that. We have these types of trades going on in platform. That wouldn't be possible if we went to a bank and obtained a warehouse line. So that's differentiated pipe is that we can grow with the companies and we can start at the company when it's really small and be a, cap, a capital stack provider up until that company goes IPO and beyond. We have many companies that are public on the platform that trade a recurring revenue. That's really interesting that you can operate on the smaller margins, but that also allows for scalability. Um, Farhan, I'm wondering, what is the interest that you've seen in the US for such a platform like, like Pipe? I'm, I mean, the interest from investors is obvious right like we we came in quite early and we've been really happy that that we were you know kind of in the early days of pipe and and pipes kind of gone on uh to raise a significant amount of capital from other investors following that um the thing that's been really interesting to me is the types of organizations as Mikhail was talking about you know it is a marketplace right the people who are taking on the risk but also the people who are looking for capital right the amount of the variety of different people seeking capital and people seeking yield off the platform has been truly amazing. I mean, we're talking about publicly listed companies. We're talking about hotels and hospitality. We're talking about software companies, which were the original kind of line as well. And I think that's been surprising, at least to me as an investor, um, that we're seeing uh, those types of institutions coming in on both sides of that market so quickly and so early uh, in Pipe's life. I mean, relatively speaking, you know, Mikhail was talking about uh, the early days of pipe, and we're still in those early innings, right? I mean, this this ball game has just barely begun, and already you're seeing so many interesting and such a variety of organizations leveraging uh, the platform in this way. Um, you know, as investors, we invest globally, so yes, fifty percent of our portfolio is in the U.S. Um, or so thereabouts. 
Uh, but we also have a number of uh, investments we've made in Europe, as well as in uh, the MENA region, as well as in Asia. And it's really interesting to see how many people are now building these solutions that they call the pipe for X, right? Oh, yeah, we're going to be the pipe for media or we're going to be, you know, the pipe for this region. Um, and what I've been kind of really fascinated by is, you know, kind of how some of these entrepreneurs haven't realized that actually the pipe for X is pipe, right? The pipe for the Middle East, the pipe for Europe, the pipe for Asia is going to be pipe. The pipe for this particular uh, area or segment or customer demographic is going to be pipe. Uh, you know, as Mikhail was talking about, like how pipe is now offering this for, for sporting uh, teams and for individuals, for GPs in, in venture capital and private equity, uh, as well as in a variety of other sectors. Uh, so demand is is really off the charts, and and I think they're just scratching the surface of of the types of organizations and the types of capital um, that pipe can can, for lack of a better term, pipe. Just to add to that, right? I mean, it's not many times as an investor you get to to back a category definer, right? If you think about Uber, if you think about Airbnb, if you think about you know Google. Some of those institutions have really been category definers to the point where we talk about those companies as kind of what they do, right? You Uber somewhere, you're going to Airbnb somewhere, you're going to Google something. And I think it's been you know, fascinating for us to kind of have backed a financial services category definer um, so, so we, can, we can never say pipe enough in my book. <laughs> Thank you, Farhan. But, but it's, it's actually true. Um, when you think about it, there's many, there's thousands upon thousands of banks or capital providers. Pipe is not that. Pipe is a trading platform. How many exchanges there are? You have NASDAQ, New York Stock Exchange, London Stock Exchange. Um, and then you you keep DAX. So, uh, and then you could Hong Kong and you keep Tokyo and you keep going down, down, down. And at the end, you end up with less than 10 of the major ones in the world. Because all, when it comes to the exchanges, Liquidity brings more buy-side participants. More buy-side participants bring more liquidity because they bid for the assets. They lower the price. It's the perfect what every VC and you know every MBA course teaches of 101 economics is perfect flywheel effect. You couldn't even... I think at some point I should teach a course as to the perfect flywheel effect because pipe is that. It's just It doesn't get purer than that. <laughs> Let's just make a video series on Tearsheet with how, <laughs> with all of this, Professor Michal. <laughs> Someday. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. It's going to be great. Um, but I wanted to round back to what Parhana was saying with the types of companies that it, that really suits, uh, you know, this, that this type of financing is really best suited for. So what kind of startups uh, do you think are best suited for this type of financing? Uh Okay, Farhan, you can you can see it from from your side, but but from my side, it, it really um, <laughs> there is it's very. I get asked this questions a lot of times, and um, to be honest, there isn't a company that I can't find a reason that shouldn't be using this. We have a lot of companies that don't have recurring revenues, while realizing if they can obtain this financing, uh, they switch their model into recurring revenues. Uh, think of your, your 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 car loan, your mortgage, your rent, uh, your phone payments. All of this is recurring revenues. So communication companies can use it. Uh, uh, large property managers uh, use it and can use it uh, as they expand. Um, but the core, as we started, 
was SaaS and it's going to be always a significant portion of our business because that is very predictable. And then you expand in other areas and other grades within our systems that provide the same level of predictability. As long as I say the following, it's not the round of financing, but the best use case for Pipe is if you have product market fit, you can, you can use Pipe because the moment you have product market fit, Farhan can tell you, you have a predictable recurring revenue streams. You know what it's going to be. You can project statistically as to how you're going to grow that, that business. And that's where Pipe comes in. What's your take, Farhan? Yeah, I think like, you know, if you zoom out to where kind of I started this conversation and said, you know, you've got all of these kind of sources of capital that entrepreneurs should be thinking about as kind of holistic and collaborative and they should have all of these lines of capital. If you zoom in, right, into a point in time for an organization, right, in the same way that you wouldn't go and kind of pitch to a series C and beyond venture capital firm when you're looking for uh, friends and family capital, right? When the ultimate risk is there, right, the equity financing, you have to kind of think about the appropriate kind of source of that capital. Right. So friends and family are backing an entrepreneur when there isn't anything beyond the entrepreneur to back. Right. Maybe there's an idea, maybe there's a market, but really you're backing the entrepreneur. And then if you kind of think about the progression of that entrepreneur and that journey, right, you're kind of getting that definition down. You're running experiments, early stage investors back the team and back the market. Some other early stage investors, Series A and beyond now, are thinking about are you close to product market fit? Can you get there? Can we kind of give you more kindling to actually accelerate growth, right? Can you kind of really double down on your growth? And that's when you should start thinking about, okay, beyond equity financing, what else can we use, right? And that's where kind of a company like Pipe, when you have that product market fit, when you've run your experiments, when you know kind of your cost of capital, when you know your customer acquisition costs off of different capital, um, off, or, off of different uh, acquisition channels, once you've got all that really kind of nailed down, and then you're really just turning the crank, right? As Mikhail kind of was mentioning that flywheel, once that flywheel has started to go, that's where kind of like a company should really start exploring uh, pipe, because that's where actually you can turn that crank a lot faster, right? When you think about publicly traded companies that are coming on the platform, you know, they're very different than your traditional kind of startup that's looking for capital. But what they like is probably the speed right? The execution of coming onto the platform and having that working capital, having that liquidity, having that cash in order to fund future growth. And so if you've got that kind of recurring revenue, you know where it's coming from, you know that when you put $1 to work, how much you're generating on the other side of that, that's definitely when you should be thinking about, okay, how do I extend my capital stack with a service like Pipe? Yeah. I mean, like just for listeners, it, it takes depending on how fast you type, anywhere from two to four minutes um, from the point of going to uh, www.pipe.com, connecting your data sources, which is typically your bank account and the way you interact with your customers. So your, um, you know, your CRM to receiving money in your bank account. If you do it before 1.30 PM Pacific, 4.30 Eastern, uh, you may receive it the same day. So find me a solution that provides a capital that instantaneously and on a continuous basis, meaning that capital is always there. You may call it at whatever time uh, 
you you deem necessary you may wait you may use it uh in in chunks you, it's it's not a large chunk of money up front that you need to find a, a a way of using it this is your working capital this is to run your day-to-day operations of the business and it's not debt which is super super important especially in these times where uh, money is becoming more expensive and here i wanted to talk a little bit about the challenges so if you could explore perhaps the challenges of setting up a platform like pipe and how do you think about revenue based financing uh, during these like turbulent macro times, you know, there's been some supply chain issues, a lot of businesses report uh, some stresses here and there. So how do you think about recurring revenues in a potential recession? So I think the interesting thing is as a platform, right, Pipe can kind of ratchet up the, the necessity in terms of the types of recurring revenue that you can pipe, right? So if you think about some of this really kind of risky revenue, right? So for example, if I was a travel company at the height of COVID, right? In the same way that if I'm an e-commerce company facing kind of the height of supply chain, right? You can kind of assess the risk of this recurring revenue. And on the same side, you know, kind of the people who are providing that liquidity and the capital, they can assess what risk tolerance they have in terms of where they want to deploy capital. So I think the great thing about revenue-based financing is that you can assess the risk and you can dial it up or you can dial it down. Now, the interesting thing is we're going to see a lot more demand for this type of service as kind of some of the liquidity and equity-based financing is drying up, especially at some of the later stage stuff, right? You know, we had the likes of Tiger and SoftBank and others going through their own issues and thinking about how they dial back or dial up or dial down, you know, kind of the amount of of capital they were putting to work. And as a result of that, you've got some great businesses who have great recurring revenue, who, you know, kind of were basically betting on the likes of some of these later stage equity finance providers coming in there to be their white knights and supporting them with their next rounds of capital. As that dries up, you know, it becomes a great kind of market opportunity for those companies to get cheaper capital because you come through a platform like Pipe and for kind of like other people to see the de-risking of some of that regular recurring revenue through the platform as well. So I do think that while, you know, the, the current situation isn't ideal, what I do think is that it means that we're a little bit more stringent, we're a little bit more cost effective, we're a little bit more efficient. And we're probably a lot more thoughtful in terms of the types of risk we take on and how we capitalize that risk. And I do think that kind of plays into the hands of a, a platform like Pipe quite well. Yes, I, I, Farhan, I, I couldn't agree more. Let's uh, let's be clear. This is another huge wind in Pipe's uh, uh, sales, as as I see it. Um, if if you are a founder of a Series B and above company, you need to understand one thing. Growth capital for quite some time is going to be quite very restricted. Uh, over the past three, four years, there were several large participants in that market, and hence nobody really raised, nobody could compete um, with these large participants, D1, Tiger, SoftBank. Um, I am not yet seeing any, and these participants withdrew from the market. Um, as a result, there is a big gap that will have to be filled, but it will take year, year and a half to be filled. So if you have uh, uh, a company raising, uh, you know, growth capital, um, uh, it, it may be tough and hence pipe is there for you. And that's what we're seeing in our um, funnel. We're seeing massive amounts of companies applying to use Pipe that in the past would 
uh, choose us or um, venture uh, capital financing. Now they just go to pipe. And it's great because it creates more options. We're not anti-venture. I mean, we're a venture-backed company. We think in your capital stack, you should use venture, you, especially in the early stages. Um, you should use pipe once you have, so you should pipe your recurring revenues once you have uh, uh, a predictable recurring revenue stream. You should, depending on the type of the business, you should also use different types of venture debt uh, because they may provide you with um, different types of expansion capital. Think broadly about your capital stack. Um, every single thing has a perfect use case um, and every single stage has a perfect use case. This was Michal Czeplinski, Chief Business Officer of Pipe, and Farhan Lalj, Investor at Anthemis. To read the transcript of our conversation, head over to Tearsheet.co and make sure you subscribe to Where Credits Do wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll be out with a new episode every two weeks, bringing you conversations with industry leaders on the ever-changing lending landscape. And if you're interested in more content, you can subscribe to our lending newsletter and briefing in your inbox every other week. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you at the next one.